This past Sunday, we talked about small truths, and we looked at the idea of greatness as Jesus began his trip down to the cross. And we talked about the passage where the disciples are arguing about who is greater, and then Jesus tells them, if you want to be great, serve. And on top of that, accept children as real people. And so it's a very interesting discussion. I, I hope that you enjoy. It touches home on a lot of different aspects of life. When we begin to start thinking about how we can leave a lasting impact, how we can be great in this life, it really comes down to how Jesus taught us to be great and what really it means to be great. So I hope you enjoy. Awesome. I I always appreciate hearing that, and it's not just because I'm her husband, and I have to say that. Um, I've tried playing the flute. I can whistle. <laughs> I can I can whistle. That's that's one thing. I cannot play a flute to save my life. I've tried. Hmm. And she can't whistle, but she can play a flute. So I don't know. We're a perfect couple. We 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 fix each other. I don't know. It, but it's it's funny because I just I cannot for the life of me. So how she does it and has that much breath, I won't say hot air, um, (laughs) but how she has that much breath. (laughs) Oh, man. Who is greater? This is the question that I want us to think about. Now, I, I, I need your participation, okay? So, I'm going to go through a couple things, and I want you to raise your hand when you agree that such and such thing is greater. We'll start out with an easy one. If you think red is a greater color than blue, raise your hand. Better color, but greater. Uh, what about blue versus red? So, so the blues have it. All you who like red, you're crazy. Uh, let's go a little bit harder. Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I knew I'd get a few. Now, Michigan. Wait, wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I figured that much. Sorry, Jason. You're, you're kind of... Those who don't care. Okay, that's even greater. There we go. <laughs> I even see you up there. Uh, yeah. It, cake or pie? Who, who likes cake? Cake. couple of you sick fans. Uh, pie. There we go, yeah. Pumpkin pie with some homemade whipped cream. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's... <laughs> What about, oh, we won't go there. I'm trying to think of something that's, uh, movies or books. Who likes watching the movie versus the book? You like the movie? Well, I figured you would. What about books? Who likes reading books over movies? Okay. <laughs> Things that are greater. We often associate greatness with power superiority, some type of perk, some type of uh, achievement. 
to make it greater. And so we, we come up with all these things. We have the Great Wall of China. We have the Leaning Tower of Pisa. We have the Statue of Liberty. We have all these different things that we consider great, even the Great Pyramid of Giza. Now, if you really want to talk about something great, think about that. I mean, can we, can we be real for a second? Back when you didn't have much more than pulleys and levers, and they built this fantastic pyramid just with raw human strength. But then we also hear of things like Adam and Eve falling from greatness because they sin. We read about the Tower of Babel when humanity says, let us be like God himself and build a tower that reaches the heavens. Greatness is tricky at best. With so many negative stories associated, associated with it, we would have to think that greatness isn't something that we really should strive for. Because, yeah, after all, we, we hear the, the psalm, the proverb that says, pride comes before the fall. To, to be great does just mean that you're going to fall and stumble and, and be mocked. So then, what do we do? Well, today I want us to talk about a couple of small truths about greatness. A couple of small truths about how we can be great according to God. There's a story here that I, I want to read real quick. It is not credited to anyone, so I have no clue. I found it online. Um, someone might have just typed it up and said, this is a great old story. I, I have no clue. But it does sound good, so here it goes. A young student once asked his old teacher, Teacher, what is the true, me the true measure of greatness? The teacher looked far away into the mountains and gave the following reply. Some measure greatness in height and weight, but great people are never so tall as when they stop to talk to a child or bend their knees to help a hurting friend. Some measure greatness in physical strength, but great people are never so strong as when they shoulder the burden of the downtrodden stranger. Some measure greatness in terms of financial gain, but those who show generosity to their family and friends, they are the ones who are truly rich. Some measure greatness in applause and accolades, but those who seek opportunity to serve in the quiet places. There, theirs is the, the higher reward. Some measure greatness in commitment to achieving in material ways, but those who spur others on to reach their goals is great indeed. Great people have vision and do not keep the truth to themselves. Great people have passion for life and are not ashamed to show it. Great people expect the best from others and give the best of themselves. Great people know how to work and how to play, how to laugh and how to cry, how to give and how to receive, how to love and how to be loved. There are many people who are by the world called great. 
but those who bear honor in their hearts, who can in the evening hours lay upon their beds and peacefully close their eyes, knowing that they have done all that is within their power to live their lives fully and fruitfully. Those are truly great people. I thought it was an interesting story. I thought it held a lot of good truths. The one that I struggled with the most was when it said, great people know how to give and how to receive. I struggle with receiving. I struggle with being put on the spot. I don't like being wished happy birthday. (laughs) So I struggle with that. But it's true. Great people know how to give and how to receive. How to give help and how to receive help. Oh, that's a hard one. Helping someone is a whole lot easier than saying, can someone help me? I, I need it. Well, we've been journeying through Mark. We've been talking about all these small things that Jesus has done. And now we come to a point because after all this, we will begin to do some amazing things. Some, some great things will come out of the small steps and actions and words that we have done. But we need to remember these truths about greatness because very quickly it will become clouded and blurred about how we got to where we were. And so then we will strive for things that might not quite line up with what made us great in the first place. And so today we're looking at Mark chapter 9, and we're going to be reading verses 33 through 37. And here we start to see a shift. After a certain point, Jesus knows that he is starting to head towards the cross. And he knows what he's going to be doing, and he knows that he needs to prepare his disciples. He's taught them, he has trained them, he has equipped them, and now he needs to prepare them for the time after his departure. And so he tells them, on three separate occasions, I'm going to go down to Jerusalem. And I'm going to die a horrible death for the salvation of people. And on their way down, they make a couple of different pit stops. And this particular one, as we read about, they are going towards Capernaum. And after Jesus says, hey, we're on our final trek. I'm going down to Jerusalem. I'm going to die there. The disciples have a very interesting conversation along the way. One that I don't think really matched up with the fact of what Jesus had just told them. But this is where we begin to discuss the small truths about greatness. So if you are able, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37. It says, Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What? were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and the servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may have a seat. 
Heavenly Father, as we pour into your word today and we uncover these small truths about greatness, I pray that you may just well up within our minds and our, our souls this, this yearning to seek your idea of greatness. The world has many forms of it, but Lord, protect us so that we might, even in all the success that you bring upon our lives, be great in your eyes and help us to understand what that means today from your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. It is in your name we pray. Amen. The first small truth about greatness is that you do not talk about greatness. Quite simply that. Uh, this is what the disciples were doing. They were coming down to Capernaum, and they're arguing, <laughs> I'm better than you. No, no, I'm better than you. And, and you, I, can, I can see it right now. You have Peter talking to James, and James is saying, no, I'm better. And Peter's like, no, man, I, I, I profess that Jesus was, was Christ the Messiah, so I must be great. He, and no, no, and then so his brother John steps in and says, no, no, James is so much better than you. He's going to sit on the right hand of God's throne. Oh, no, no. And then so Andrew comes in, and all the while they're doing this, and Jesus is about 10 steps ahead, and they're all, no, no, I'm, shh, shh, shh. Because they don't want Jesus to hear them, but they want to have this heated discussion about who is greater. Who gets more pomp and circumstance when they enter a city? And it's wonderful how Jesus then says, what were you guys talking about? I love it because he, he asks it like a parent would. What, what were you talking about? And like children, the disciples reply, man, we've been caught. <laughs> don't, don't say anything. Don't, shh, shh, shh. Maybe he doesn't know. But any good parent knows. Come on now. I know what you're talking about. This is so amazing that Jesus says, I'm going to my death. We're going down to Jerusalem so that I can fulfill my mission as Messiah. And immediately along the way, they start talking about greatness from their perspective. While they are in the midst of something that is truly great, while they are, are the, the front row seat to see this man who has done so many things and has set up so much, now do the most amazing miracle ever. Provide redemption for humanity. And here they are saying, I'm greater. No, I'm greater. No, I'm greater. The problem is, when we begin to try to discuss greatness, we lose the concept of greatness. It's a beautiful picture that, as soon as you try to put words to it, dissolves and disappears. And so we have to be careful about it. Be concerned to not discuss it. Because, really, when we try to measure it, we lose the very aspect of what made it great. I think of a, a movie by the name of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. If you have not watched it, I encourage you to. It's a very good movie. It's, it's only rated PG, which in this day and age is quite phenomenal since it's all adults that play in it. It's not a children's movie. Uh, so that's awesome. But it's, it's a very good, wholesome movie about this gentleman who works as a... I forget the technical, the technical name, but he takes photographs from a camera 
blows them up, and, and he uses them for the magazine. He's working for Time, the magazine, and, and he receives this one picture from this photographer who takes all these brilliant pictures of Earth. In extreme cases, he'll be riding an airplane and taking pictures of volcanoes, or, or he'll be in with, uh, with uh, tribes that are warring in, in foreign countries and taking pictures of it all. And he sends this one picture that is supposed to be the last picture used for the copy of Time magazine, and it's missing. And so he starts on this journey to find the photographer so he can find the picture for the magazine. And he travels all throughout the world, and he finally finds him. And he's hunkering down on the side of a mountain, looking for a snow leopard. They call it a ghost cat because it's very hard to get a picture of it in the wild. And so he's there, and he's sitting, and he has Walter come sit down next to him, and they're just waiting. And all of a sudden, he, he's, and he looks through his camera, and there comes right into view a snow leopard. And he tells Walter, come over. And he, he looks through the camera, and they're just staying there in awe. And, and then uh, Walter leans over to him and says, so when do you take the picture? And the gentleman, he stops. And he says, sometimes I don't. If I like a moment, if I truly, me, like a moment, I don't like having the distraction of the camera. And they just sit there, and they watch as a snow leopard walks past. This beautiful, rare moment that they could have captured on film. And he said, no, no, if I would have taken the time right now to have captured it, I would have missed the beauty of this moment. Of course, uh, the rest of the movie would reveal why this is such a big deal, but I won't spoil it for you. Um, but that's what we face when we begin to try to discuss greatness. When we begin to look at someone and we begin to say, oh, they are so great, look at them, and we begin to put them on a pedestal, and as we do so, as we, as we try to raise them up, we're, we're losing the very moment that made it so special and so unique. And when we try to talk about ourselves, about how great we are, doesn't it always come off as just plain arrogant? <laughs> Man, this was so great. I did this, and it was so wonderful. And, and, and you lose the aspect that made it great. So don't talk about it. The other truth, small truth about greatness is that it begins with humility. Look at what he says here. He, he comes down, they get into a house, he sits down, and he says, if you truly want to be great, if you want to be first, be last. Be a servant to all, and that will make you great. If you're truly concerned about it, that's what you must do. Practice humility. Because when you begin this process and you set out, if you're seeking greatness, it's not going to happen. But if you have in your heart the desire to serve, to put others before yourself, something great will happen. 
And as a church, we need to begin to practice that more and more. We need to stop trying to be a church that thinks that greatness is about how big a building is or how many people come to it, and we need to wrap a towel around our waist and go wash the feet of our community. Go serve the community. And we do some of that, providing food for the local food pantry. Even the harvest party is a way that we are able to reach out and serve the community, providing a fun, safe environment for families to come and bond. That is good stuff to do, and that is a great act of service. And if we concern our hearts with that, we'll continue to do what is most important, which is to serve others. Now, there's an aspect of this that I want you to catch Jesus sat down. Now, I don't know what you know about Jewish culture. I kind of wish we practiced it a bit more, because when a teacher sat down in Jewish culture, people perked up. People were like, oh, what is he going to say? Because a teacher sitting down in that culture said, he's about to speak. Pay attention. Today, we, we stand on a soapbox. I would jump on my instrument, but that would probably fall. Uh, we stand on a soapbox, and we get a bullhorn, and we go, Hey, listen to me! I have something important to say! Listen to me! I want, I want to change your lives! I'll give you five easy steps to become rich! Uh, whatever it is. Jesus comes, and he sits down. Of course, he was probably tired, too, so sitting down wasn't all that bad either. But sitting down to tell them, look, you're so concerned about what is great. You're so concerned about what is so important in life. Set your hearts on helping others. Set your heart on serving people. Don't worry about if you come in first or last. Just be concerned that people know that God loves you and cares about you and wants to help you and be the hands and feet that do it. And as a church, we must always have that mentality. Of course, then he goes on. Come here. He calls a child. <laughs> oh, don't look so depressed. <laughs> you get to be in the spotlight. He calls a child, has him sit on his lap. And he begins to teach him. You can stay here, but I'm going to stand up, so I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> Thank you. He calls a child to sit on his lap. And he says, accept one like this. And when you do that, you accept not just me, but the one who sent me. Now, there's something very strange about this. When I first read it, I thought, talk about political correctness. This is not right. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, it. He took it, put it among them. How rude. I thought, what is going on here? In all of our wonderful translations and all the things that we do, and, and Mark writes it and says, it about a child? I thought there has to be something going on here. Sure enough, there is. 
children are not very popular back in the day. Um, some people would argue that children are still not very popular. I would have to say that that's, that's bad. But back in the day, you children were a burden. Especially if you had females. If, if, you, if you had daughters, they were straight up a burden. And there was actually practices going on in that day where they would help the children not be present anymore. Let's put it that way. Which is horrible. Absolutely horrible. But they were considered lower class. They were lower class than servants. They were lower class than almost anyone in society except maybe people who had diseases. And so they don't even get a proper pronoun. <laughs> they get called it. And Jesus does this for a very specific reason because he says, if you will accept it, you accept myself and you accept God. If you will accept the lowest form of society, if you will accept the very lowest of people, you are accepting me. Now, this brings out a two-prong approach for us because we have those now. Our society has shifted. We have placed more of an emphasis on children. Thank goodness. But we have those that we consider low in our society, right? We have those that are, are for better or for worse, considered second-class citizens. Whether we want them to be or not, and so what we are charged then is to accept them, to bring them in as if they are one of us. But I also believe that there is something to be said about truly accepting children. They're noisy. They eat a lot. They eat a lot. And they go through clothes the shoes and the shoes and the shoes every other month. It seems like their feet grow so much that you have to get new shoes. They're a burden. And until they get old enough to understand hot or sharp, you're always watching out for them and saying, no, 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 come on, this way, that way. There's a car there. Don't do that. Do this. Don't hit your brother. Don't throw that in the toilet. I mean, you have all these things that you're constantly doing, and they're a drain. And they're hard to cope with some days. They don't get their nap, and they're a bear. And as a church, it could be easy for us to say, well, yeah, ship the children off, send them off, let those blessed people who get tortured every couple hours every week deal with them so that we can focus on what we're doing. But that's not accepting them. As a church, we must learn to accept children as if they are adults. And we do that. We, we do a fairly good job. I, I still push us to go for it further, but to the fact that we allow them to participate in worship by taking up tithes and offerings, the fact that we place certain emphasis on them as we pray over them every week, that is part of accepting children and saying, you are worthy to stand among us. You are worthy to be with us. We want to be great. Small truth is, we need to treat children as if they're just like us. We need to show them the same love and respect and care and consideration 
as we would want out of any of us. And to be able to say, yeah, it's okay. They're noisy. They want to run about, around a bit. Thank God they have energy, because if they didn't, then none of us would. I mean, we, we have to be able to accept that. And I strongly believe that as a church, as we continue to grow and accept children and make them as one of our own, we will see some great things happen. Because ultimately, when our generations move on, who's the next one coming up? Those who are younger than us. And if we don't accept them, if we don't incorporate them into our lives and say, you are one of us, let us teach you, but teach us as well, we won't have a church any longer. Eventually we will die because they want to be accepted. Who wants to be rejected? I mean, honestly, who wants to be rejected? Told you're not good enough. Your voice doesn't matter. Your opinion isn't worth it. Who wants to live in an environment like that? So if we truly care about the growth of the church, if we truly care about being great within this community, there we have it. So I challenge us today to be concerned about greatness in a godly way, to look for how we can serve, how we can care for others, how we can bear each other's burdens. I challenge you to accept children, to love them, to make them as our own, to not put them as second class. And for those in society who are deemed second class, bring them up too. Don't overlook someone just because they might be inferior. That's not good. That's not healthy. But most importantly, don't be concerned with it. If we truly want to be great, if we truly want to stand before God one day and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, don't worry about trying to be great. Set that all aside and say, let's serve. Let's do what God has called us to do because by doing that, greatness will come. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you alone are great. You alone are wonderful. And everything we do in this world, everything that we can hope to say or accomplish is only a mere reflection of your greatness. So help us to not be so concerned about it. To not be so concerned about being first, being great. Instead, change our hearts to be focused on who we can serve, how we can help. May we not look at anyone, adult or child otherwise, as second class, unworthy of your love and affection. Lord, let us accept all people to bring them into our lives and to say, you matter, your voice matters, your opinions matter. 
Help us to love, to serve, to be a reflection of who you are, to not be concerned about trying to be great. Raise us up, O Lord, for it is you alone who restores life and health to the suffering and to those who wander from the truth. By your grace, may we offer powerful and effective prayers for one another and the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I now send you into your community to make Christ-like disciples. Go. You are dismissed.